Father God, um, may you please be with the message that Coach Dillard is going to share upon us, Father God, and may everything that he says touch our hearts in some way, in some form, Father God, may you just please be with us for the rest of the day and give us safe travels. Amen. 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 Thanks, sir. All right, you guys, so it's been a couple weeks since we've done, covered some more ground here in Acts. So does anybody remember what we've talked about so far or where we came through in the first two chapters of Acts? Uh, the disciples had tongues come to them. Yeah, yeah. So last time we got together, to a lot of people. Very good. So, <clears throat> yeah. So what? what remember what, what did that look like? Tongues came on. What does that mean? Like they were able to speak a bunch of different languages and different. Um, what's the word? Yeah, yeah. So they 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 went out. Cause yeah, if you remember last time we looked at this was the Passover feast. Okay, or not the Passover? Yeah, it was yeah Pentecost, the Pentecost feast, where all these people traveled from all over the place to come to Jerusalem. So they're in Jerusalem right now, um, and while that, they were there, then they were waiting for this promise that Jesus gave them that once He leaves, the Father was going to send to them the Helper, you know, or the Holy Spirit. So here at Pentecost is, which was a feast. It wasn't just when the Holy Spirit came. That was a significant day. For, for all the Jewish people. And that's when God sent down the Holy Spirit and said, like, tongues like fire. Okay? And then they, all of a sudden, they had the ability to speak other languages fluently. And they went out in the streets and started speaking in normal, like, so sometimes, like, today, um, when, in, like, a Pentecostal church or a charismatic church, when they say tongues, that's not like, hey, all of a sudden I can speak French, and I never sp- spoke French before. But it's more like they start kind of speaking more or less gibberish, you know, but then, then they say somebody else can interpret them. And, you know, so that's how, like, but that's not what ha- is happening here. Does that make sense? So they, they actually went out and started speaking other languages, you know, and they're proclaiming the kingdom of God. So all these people are like, whoa, what the heck? You know, like, how are these people able to speak? Our language, because they weren't, you know, incredibly educated people. It would be like if all of us, who nobody would expect us to all speak different languages fluently, if we walked outside right now and started, you started speaking pigeon, you know, or Spanish or French or whatever, and we all just started going out and speaking. It would would freak people out. It's like, how did these guys know how to speak all these different languages? That's basically what happened there. Okay. And then how did the people respond? They think they're drunk. Well, one guy. Yeah, so this is awesome. Did you guys catch that? Yeah. So one dude in verse 13. Look at verse 13. Okay. But others were mocking and saying, they're filled with sweet wine. These dudes are hammered. Okay. And actually, and then when you go into verse 14, 15, let me think of this. Wait a minute. Wait. She must have been 10 o'clock. Why would she have you meet her at a bar at 10 in the morning? She was a raging alcoholic. I just figured she was a raging alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe think of that. Okay, that's basically what's happening here. Okay, so they're like, whoa, dude, these dudes are hammered. And then Peter comes out and says, for these men are not drunk as they suppose, for as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day, which is, which translates to, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Dudes are drunk. It's, just, it's only nine o'clock. So he makes the same the same joke, and I thought that was funny. Okay, um, so that Peter was dumb and dumber in this deal. Okay, so um, 
The Abbey, but others mocking say they are filled with new wine. Peter, standing with the eleven, lift up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give an ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose it's only the third hour of the day. Okay, so the, this is really important because what we see here, this is the first sermon in Acts. This is the first sermon that takes place after Jesus ascends. So Jesus gone, right? And Holy Spirit comes. Now, there's some interesting things about Peter. Like, so if you remember, Acts is also a sequel to what book? Luke, okay? So when we look back in Luke, then we see the story of Jesus and his ministry calling the disciples. Remember, we did the, we looked at the discipleship, you know, um, development plan the first week and how Jesus was preparing them for him to ascend, okay? So right here, we see Peter now where he's, being bold and he's out in the streets and he's claiming the kingdom but anybody who what do you remember about peter from from before anybody any, any anybody rec- remember any characteristics of peter in matthew mark or luke or john yeah. rosie was he like was he the one who was uh, killing christians or no no that's a different guy we haven't got to him yet i think he was the one who denied jesus yep so he won denied jesus Okay, he's the one, remember, you will deny me three times. Okay, so that, that was Peter. Was he the one, uh, the walk on water didn't trust Jesus? He was the guy that, well, he did enough to get out of the boat. Right, but then he yeah. stopped. Peter's the guy that got out of the boat, remember, and he started walking, and then he saw all the waves, and he freaked out, and then he started going down. Okay, Peter was constantly, Peter was the guy that did a lot of stupid stuff. He was constantly putting his foot in his mouth, you know, he's always just kind of jumping out there, it's like, and just saying dumb stuff, he also, um, so he was the guy in when uh, they came to get Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember that? And he what? cut the Roman's guard. Took off a, uh, took out a sword, chopped the dude's ear off. Okay. That, that, that was Peter. Okay. So Peter, and actually we also see this, that Peter wasn't, his name wasn't always Peter. Jesus gave him the name Peter. Remember, his name was Simon Peter. Before, his name was Simon. Okay, anybody know what Peter meant, what, what the name actually meant, what the way that was significant, why Jesus gave it to him? So the name Peter, or Cephas, meant the rock. It's like a nickname. So Jesus, like, hey, yeah, yeah, you're Simon. Guess what? From now on, you're the rock. The rock is Peter. <laughs> the rock is Peter. Okay? He built the church on Peter. Right, and I'm going to build my church on the rock. Okay, so back in the back in when when he was stop talking back when he was walking with Jesus, he actually was nothing like the rock. He was not a rock that you could build anything on because he did a lot of stupid stuff. Okay, but by here we actually see Peter become the rock in which Jesus is going to build his church, and it starts right here. So just the fact the transformation that you see in Peter from the, when you first meet him at the beginning of the Gospels to right now is incredible. And that alone is a sign of, how does that happen other than Jesus? Okay, so Peter comes out and he, and he gives us this first presentation of what you've heard, this, heard a ton, the Gospel. This is the first presentation of the Gospel that the church gives right here in Acts 2. And this is what he starts with. These dudes aren't drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Why do you think he was doing that? What, what was Peter doing right here? Okay. 
Peter first connects the message to something that they can relate to and are curious about. There are God, there's, this is a miraculous thing that's happening. And a bunch of idiots, kind of like us, go out there and start speaking all these different languages. And nobody knows why. Whoa, 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 what's going on here? You know, I can't make sense of this. So, you know, one smart guy in the crowd yells out, they're drunk. He's like, man, we're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Okay. So he starts with connecting. He's relating it to it. And what was it that piqued their interest to begin with? Okay. Because I think a lot of times us as Christians or people who are trying to evangelize or, you know, which is just like who try to share the gospel with people, just take this package thing and try to shove it down people's throat instead of like where was the entryway the entry was a joke about them being drunk and then even peter used that to share the gospel for the first time okay and he points to the real reason for what they're seeing this is fulfillment of the prophecy by joel so you guys see in your bibles how verses basically 17 through 21 how it's not written, like it's kind of indented a little bit. Whenever you see that in, in, in your Bible, that means that that is a quote from something before. If it's in the New Testament, it's a quote from the Old Testament. Okay? So remember, they're talking to, who are they talking to? Who is, who's the, the audience made up? Who's this crowd made up of? Jewish people. Remember, all these Jewish people that were in Jerusalem for a Jewish feast. So they're talking to Jewish people, and what was the Jewish people's Bible? What, what did they consider scripture? Torah. Torah. Torah, which we know as the Old Testament. The Old Testament. Okay? So he, he takes this joke, connects to them, and says, no, and he actually points it back to something that they know. Okay? So here's the thing. They know that. We probably don't <laughs> as much. Like, any of you guys feel like, man, yeah, I know the Old Testament. Like the back of my hand. Not one of us, probably. Okay? You know, but he's sitting there, so he's talking to a crowd of people that knew the Old Testament like no other. And he connects this thing back to, look, you know, let me connect this to something you already know. Okay? And this is what the, what the prophet Joel said. And what's happening, what you're seeing right now, is that being fulfilled. Joel called this. He called this shot a long time ago, and today you're watching it happen. Which is kind of sick, because, like, again, you're looking at something. You ever see something you really didn't know what it, what it was you were looking at, but you couldn't t- take your eyes off of it? The dress. <laughs> the dress. <laughs> right, you know, and then you just realize how much of your life you wasted arguing over the dress. I lost a friend. I wasted my kind of. All right, so basically, hey, right here, Joel said this is going to happen, and the day you're waiting for, it's here today, and you're watching it happen right now. Okay, so verses 22, 23. Anybody want to read those for me real quick? Verse 22, 23. I got it. Get it. Mid of Israel, hear these words. Jesus is Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Dang, okay? So, that's a way to, to ro- win over the crowd right there. Okay, so we see, okay, verse 22, Jesus' miracles, okay? So, he points first to Jesus' miracles and the things that he did. Because a lot of those people were aware of it. And the guys that Peter and the apostles, or the brethren, they watched it happen. 
Okay? So he talks about these miracles. that Hey, the miracles that we just saw, it's evidence that he was sent by God. Okay? That this guy wasn't a normal, ordinary guy. This guy was sent by God, which is how he was able to do things that, again, like what you're watching right now, we couldn't explain. Okay? Then verse 23, he gets into and talks about Jesus' death. But it, who, does he, who does he blame it on? There's two people. Okay, somebody's reading the back. Flip it over. We're not even on the back yet, bro. He's sitting there just looking at the answer. Do I got to take the answers off? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's blaming, first of all, the audience, the people that are listening. Yeah, Jesus is crucified. You guys remember when Jesus was crucified? Who did that? Oh, yeah, it was you guys. Okay, so he blames the people. But what else What else does he say in this? Lawless men. Jesus 23, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. It's God's plan. So here we see actually this interesting thing of, you ever guys ever kind of wrestle with this? What's God's plan and what's just human choices? Right? You ever wonder about that? Okay, how human choices led... Judas to sell out Jesus that led Pilate to and the people to call Jesus to be crucified. So the people called for Jesus' crucifixion, even though Pilate was like, man, I don't want to have anything to do with this. This guy's done nothing wrong. But if you guys want to kill him, go for it. And that's what happened. Right? So the people were responsible for Jesus dying. But that had to happen. Right? So here's kind of what we see in, I mean, we see this with the story of Joseph. When he talks to his brothers, remember how his brothers did the same thing, sold out Joseph. You know, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Okay? So Joseph, back in the Old Testament, was this type of Jesus that was pointing to Jesus. In the same way Joseph was going to get sold out and God was going to use that for good, Jesus was going to get sold out by evil people, but God was still going to use that for good. Okay? So that's so he's, he's, he's connecting these dots between, hey, and we're actually going to see this some more as we walk throughout Acts, and it gets kind of cool. Okay? Then verse 24 through 32, okay, he starts talking about the resurrection and how Jesus rise from the dead. Okay, Peter refers to David's prediction of a resurrection and the impossibility. Hold on. First look at this. So you see 24 through 32 and 25. Again, you see those, that indent, indented part, 25, 6, 7, and 8. Okay? That's something that David said in the Psalms. Okay, so now he's quoting David and the Jewish people thought a lot of David. Right? The Jew, like, what's the symbol for you know, the Jewish symbol, the star, of David. the star of David. Okay. So David was a huge deal. So he goes and he quotes David. Okay. Saying that, first of all, in, in that section right there in Psalms, that it is the, impo- the impossibility that the Holy One will decay. You guys see where that is? Verse 27. Because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. So David is saying this, and he's saying this, and it looks like it's about himself, doesn't it? Right? Because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One 
to undergo decay. You have been made known to be the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. So it's weird. So the, the Jewish people knew this. They knew this was David talking. And David seems to be talking about himself. But what's the issue about David saying, hey, you're not going to allow me to undergo decay? He was never resurrected. And then he actually says that. Okay, brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us today. He died. We buried him and he's still there. He's still there. He hasn't come up. But you know what? We watch Jesus do it. So we know that this scripture that David was talking about wasn't about David. It was about Jesus. So I and now imagine the way these Jewish people are thinking like, Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought he was talking about, were, were, were they waiting? Which I'm kind of curious. I don't know because I'm not Jewish. I was like, were they waiting for David to, to rise because of this? When Jesus just did it? You know what I'm saying? Like, think about things that you, you absolutely know. Something, what are the things that you bank on and that you know to be true, but you feel like you know it so well? And then it comes out, it's like, oh, well, I've been looking at this thing all wrong the whole time. Have you ever, ever had that happen before? Really? In what way? I don't know. I forget. I just remember. I had a different perspective on something. Mm-hmm. And that perspective made me lead off a different path. Mm. And everybody else was like telling me, hey, this is this is the right thing. This is what you have to do. I was like, no, it's, I have to do something else. And then later on, I found out that I was wrong. Huh. I just had this sinking feeling of, Kind of like guilty. Yeah, like, oh gosh, I've been going about this all wrong. How about this one for you? Okay, you guys go to Valor. Okay, you're at a Christian school in a Christian environment all the time. Okay, man, all I got to do is not say bad words, not let anybody see me drink, not let anybody see me do bad things. You know, all I got to do is walk, talk, and act a certain way, and then I'm doing everything right. And if I just go to church on Sunday, or if I just do all the, like, and we buy this lie that that's what it's all about. When the, when the fact is, if you actually get what it's all about, you probably do some of those things. But you can also do those things and miss the entire point. So for what, what, what these Jewish people are saying right now is like, whoa, whoa, I've known that. I've known this to be true my whole life. And you're telling me. That it's actually about Jesus. Just like I'm telling you that all of those things, you may have known that your whole life. But I'm telling you it's actually about Jesus. Okay, let's keep going. Okay, then he talks about this exaltation in verses 33 through 35. Okay, which again, you see that in verse 34 and 35. What do you see again? Another more intense. Okay, again, talking about David. Okay, so again, he refers to David, who predicted that the Lord would be exalted to God's right hand, also could not have been about himself, because um, he never ascended. Right? We never saw David ascend. Okay, you never, we never saw David, just, you remember, just like the, the apostles sat there and watched Jesus ascend into heaven, remember, they're just standing there waiting for him to come back down. Okay, David never did that. But David talked about that happening. He said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand and until I make your enemies a footstool to your feet. Okay. 
So David said that. The Lord said to my Lord. The Lord said to my Lord suggests God said to Jesus. David calls Jesus my Lord. The Lord God said to my Lord Jesus. You will sit at my right hand and I will make your enemies a footstool to your feet. David called that. Again, they didn't know what that was about until Peter gets to tell them right now. They're like, yeah, I've heard that before a billion times. You're telling me that's about something completely different. And then verse 36. Verse 36 says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ as Jesus whom you crucified. The guy that you crucified was both, that God made him both Lord and Christ. Okay? So the Lord talks about the reign of Jesus or his sovereign kingship, meaning he's over all things. Okay? God exalted him to the right hand to where he is sovereign and he is Lord over all things. Okay, so we know him as Lord. Remember we talked about this last fall? Remember in the, the, the Well Coach series? Okay, the difference between Jesus as Lord and Jesus as Savior, how quick we are to accept him as Jesus as Savior, but we just totally ignore him as Lord. Okay, so Jesus as Savior, Christ as Messiah, or the Anointed One, or the Deliverer of Salvation. So we all know that Jesus died for my sins, and I believe in him, and my, my sins are forgiven. Okay, so everybody wants to be forgiven, but you cannot separate Jesus as Savior from Jesus as Lord, meaning whatever it is that he asks you to do, you do. And remember, we talked about the irony of this is when we try to take Jesus as Savior, he's saving us. What is he saving us from? Death. And after what's the root? Death it comes through sin, and the root of all sin is pride. Okay, pride is just me exalting myself to the level of God. Remember, God's here, and we're here. And Jesus was God. Remember, and he's like, even though he didn't count equality with God as something we grasp, he humbled himself below God. We're down here. Then he humbled himself below us by taking our death on a cross for us so that we didn't have to. So he humbled himself way down here so that God exalted him as the name above all names in which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus as what? Lord. Lord. <laughs> okay? So, when he's, what he saved us from is us being the Lord of our own life. So, we can't say Jesus is my Savior and still walk like we're the Lord of our own life because he, that's what he supposedly saved us from. So, if he didn't save us from that, did he save us at all? The only way we know Jesus saved us, know him as Savior, is when we also know Jesus as Lord. And right here, verse 36, he calls it right here. You know, therefore, let the house of Israel, hey, Jewish people, know this. God made Jesus both Lord and Christ. He made him the Savior and he made him the Lord. Whether you like it or not, <laughs> that's what happened. Okay? Then verse 37 through and 40. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, they say this, brethren... What shall we do? Great. This is awesome. You're telling me everything that I've known was actually about Jesus. Now what am I supposed to do? It's a valid question. Anybody ever wonder that yourself? Okay. You, you, you've been, you know, all this stuff has been thrown at you so much. And, and here's the, the really sad part. 
that I think that wrongly we hear a lot, where this has been presented to you. This is awesome. Great. I'm in. What, what, I, what am I supposed to do now? Oh, come back next week and bring a friend. Oh, you, you got to s- sign up for our next retreat and join a Bible study and read, you know, read your Bible every day and pray. And, and on, again, do all the things that Christians do. But you can do all of those things and miss the whole point. Okay. Where honestly, what we've missed all of these things. What do we actually need to do? Because Peter doesn't say any of those things here. They have this huge crowd of people. Great. What am I supposed to do now? Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do these two things. And you will get these two things. Okay? Lord requires, so we know Jesus says Lord requires, repent and be baptized. Then you will receive, and we know him as Savior, when he offers forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. That's the heart of it. What do I do now? Repent. Repent just means, look, okay, I've been pointing my life at this. Repent means to turn away from it. To point my life at God's will instead of my will. Because those are ultimately the two decisions that we're we're wrestling with. Not just once in your lifetime, but minute by minute. And moment by moment of your entire life. You're faced with, okay, am I going to do just whatever I feel like doing and be Lord of my own life? Or am I going to turn away from that and point my life towards God's will? That's not a one-time decision. That's an everyday, every moment decision. So this, so hear me in this, okay? And seriously, look, 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 look right at me, because you, you got to hear this: that being a Christian isn't the absence of mistakes. You didn't say, well, "Okay, great, great, Peter. What do we do now? Be perfect. Never make a mistake." That's not what he said. He said, "Repent." That's an ongoing thing. You're going to make mistakes, but the, bit, the biggest deal, and you know this as athletes, you know this as baseball players, that you're never going to be okay with mistakes. The second you, you, you know you cannot play this game without making mistakes. You can't do it. But you never become okay with it. Like, man, I, I know I'm going to make a mistake, but I'm going to turn from that every day, every time that I can. I don't want to make the same mistake over and over and over again. You want to make adjustments. So you as baseball players have walked out what it means to be, live a repentant life more than maybe anybody. Because you've been faced with failure so much and you know that you're not a failure just because you failed. You, you know what I'm saying? Repentance is something that you do all the time. And that's not a, oh man, I, I, I can't believe I just made a mistake. I, you know, and now, then you start questioning, man, I'm... I'm not perfect, and, or maybe the church expects me to be perfect, or the school, or, nobody expects you to be perfect, but what we want to see you, you do is repent. We actually just saw this this week in Josh Hamilton, okay, Josh Hamilton relapsed and, did, and, and got caught, well actually he didn't get caught, he came out and, and it, it's known that he did at least cocaine and he's suspended, okay, which is relapsing of something, uh, 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 a failure or a mistake that we know that he's made before. Anybody know how that came out? 
Anybody know how, how Major League Baseball found out that Josh Hamilton relapsed on cocaine? Didn't Josh Hamilton Josh Hamilton told him. Josh Hamilton, and you know him to be a believer, because he relapsed, does that make him less of a believer? No. Dude came out and said, hey, like, no, nobody caught him in that. He came out and just flat admitted it because he knew what happened, and he admitted it, and he's trying to turn away from it. If he didn't want anybody to find out, then he probably would try to hide it. Okay? And that's this, this, this lie that we believe. That's like, oh, man, if people knew about my sin, then they would call me a phony. No, 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 no. Your sin is not what is what separated you from God. But until God perfects you at the at, at the second coming, you're just going to have to repent from it every day, and hope that you don't make the same mistakes over and over and over again. Now, if Josh Hamilton comes out every day and says, "Hey, I did coke again," that's an issue. But the only way, but he wanted to kill that, so he came out and he admitted to it. He's going to take the punishment, and he's going to live his life with this transparency. Okay, And actually, I believe this. I think he's lucky that he can't do anything without people looking at him. Okay, We would be so lucky. If, if, if people were watching your life that closely, that you didn't, man, I don't want to get caught for, for I, I want to just be flat open with it. Look, I made a mistake, and I don't want to do it again. By admitting those failures, you're, you're able to separate yourself from the sin so that you can turn away from it. But the second you try to hide it so nobody sees it, man, that's not, the, that's not a repentant life. Okay? Great. Peter, what do we do? Repent and be baptized. Okay? Now, I want you guys to understand this. When he's saying, talking about baptism, it's not just the act of being dunked in water or sprinkled or any of that. What he's saying, baptism ultimately is a sacrament, which means it's an outward expression of an inward experience. So what he's saying is, repent and proclaim publicly for everyone to see and for everyone to know, hey, that's not me anymore. Baptism, actually, the actual literally, when you get dunked and come out, is... A powerful representation of when I, I am buried with Christ and I am rising to new life. And I am, the old is gone, the new is here. I am a new creation. That The life that I now live is a repentant life where I'm trying to follow Jesus, not trying to follow my own will. That's what baptism is. So don't think that, oh, well, I got baptized as a kid, so I'm good. You know, and, or I raised my hand one time or whatever that is. That, that, that's not what he's talking about. Is that I want to live a repentant life where I am just publicly saying, this is what I'm about. Okay? And by the way, if you have not actually literally been baptized, that's not what saves you. But that's something that the community that walks with you or the brethren or the brotherhood, you know, that they get to be with you, stand around you as you make that public proclamation that this is what my life is now about. Okay? So if any of you have not actually gone through that literal baptism and you want to know more come talk to us and we can we can figure something out okay and if those two things happen then we get forgiveness spelled with two s's and the holy spirit okay so that's what you get you know it's not uh you get you get this really easy super you know cush life 
You know, it's not like the God, God wants to bless you. Okay. It's not that you're going to get everything that you want in life. No, you will get forgiveness and you will get the Holy Spirit. And with those two things, there's nothing that you can't endure in this life. There's nothing that can, like life can absolutely suck. And we're actually going to see some of that as we continue on through Acts. That the path that the brotherhood had wasn't easy. They faced a lot of adversity. But with forgiveness and the Holy Spirit, there wasn't anything they couldn't overcome. And we get to see some of those things in the coming weeks. Okay, and the response to the message? There are 3,000 people baptized and added to their number that day. 3,000 people. That's a pretty good day. <laughs> okay. So, looking back, this is basically what, what we see. Let me go ahead. Okay. So, remember, he started with a joke and connected it to something that they knew. And then he made sense of it. He connected, this is what you know, and this is what this is really about. Okay. So, how are we doing on? Man, it is 6 o'clock already. Okay. I want to say this. So, for example, real quickly, something is all of us as baseball players, hopefully, that you should be just definitely afraid of is we have, me and McNary have this cool little zipper on our elbow, okay? So you, you're better off if you don't get one, okay? Okay, this is from Tommy John surgery. Where does Tommy John surgery come from, okay? And actually, this is really cool. You know the crossover symmetry bands that we do? Okay, so one time I got to go and... Um, Dugan, who owns the company, and I got to go see his setup, and he was sitting there and he was explaining to me the importance of crossover symmetry and what that's trying to do. Okay, so you guys know you have the, your shoulder blade right here. You know, if you do this, how many of your shoulder blades just flare out and wing out? Okay, so th- this is a, this is what happens when that happens. Okay, so if your shoulder blade flares out when you throw, this flares out. Your shoulder rotates forward, which causes impingement and puts a whole lot of pressure on your elbow. So when I had Tommy John surgery, I did like no rehab on my actual elbow. All of it was on my scapula to get my scapula in place. But he said this, because here's this, this lie that I believe, but I threw hard. I threw really hard. But if my scapula was winging out, he said it was like putting a cannon in and trying to fire a cannon out of a canoe. So even though you think it's going hard, you can throw way harder if it were on solid rock. Okay? And you're setting yourself up to where you're going to get hurt at some point. Okay? Until I did. So what happens was, you know, can you imagine if that thing was on solid rock? If that, when you throw, that scapula doesn't move at all. Okay? So as baseball players, we should understand, you know, if, we, if you throw a baseball, you know, unless you're a DH, you're going to want to have that thing in place that is in your best interest. So what's something that we should know and understand is this, that, okay, cool. We, we, we know that now we understand this concept of my scapula. But what that's really pointing to is the same thing that Jesus talks about in Matthew 7. There's a man who builds his house on the rock, a man who's built itself, his house on the sand. Both of them look good until it rains. And by the way, it's going to rain at some point. You know, and when the house built on the rock rains, it was fine. When the house built on sand, it washed away and it came down and great was its fall. Okay? Which is represented in this nice little scar right here. So when you build your life on truth, there is power to it. Okay? When, you, when, when you build your life on truth, you know, of what the gospel is, and when you're trying to live out God's will and not your own will, 
it, it's going to rain. It, it never promises it's not going to rain in your life. It's going to rain, but you're going to stand firm. That's the promise of the gospel. And, and that's what they preached for the first time to all those people. And 3,000 people believed them. And so I'm really bummed that it, the time is what it is. Because I actually want to know these things. You know, so the questions are, you know, one way or other, we are to make, uh, we're going to make a public proclamation now. So whether it's like, I want to come out and say, yeah, I like similar to baptism. I want to tell everybody what it is that I'm, I'm going to point my life at. Okay. If there's no wrong answer, just an untrue one. Have you made this decision before? If yes, then what did you repent from? Okay, so what is it that you're repenting from? Honestly, I'll be to be transparent. I'm repenting from the pride that I'm better than other people, and that I know it all, and that I have this. I, I can plan out this my, my whole life, and it can look good. But no, it's not. When, when God's been redirecting me several times, including through this. Okay, what is it that you're repenting from? Pride. What is what, what is the things that are separating you from? Now, if yes, what did you repent from? If no, what is holding you back? You know, so if this is a decision, if this is a proclamation that you've yet to make, I want to know why. You know, I want to, and I want to know how to, how to love you best. You know, we as coaches want to know how to love you best and walk with you in that. Okay? And then obviously, yeah, if you have questions in any of those, those things, we want to know too. But if you have questions about any of what this is, or again, the things I've been told I had to do compared to what are the things that I actually, hey, great, now what do I do? And what does that look like? Simplify down what does it look like. Um, so we are out of time, so I'm going to let you go. But if you have any of these things on your mind, please don't leave. Okay, if you have any questions, don't leave without asking them. Sound good? All right, let's pray real quick. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you that, uh, that your son is bigger than our life. It is bigger than our sin. It is bigger than the things that... Uh, that hold us back, that steal our identity, that steal our value, that your son was bigger than all of those things. And he loved us enough that he humbled himself to come to this earth so that we can experience life, so that we can have a relationship with you. Uh, Father, show us what it means to repent, not once, but continually through our life. Lord, show us where it is that we can be the brotherhood that has this message to give. That people see it in our life and they hear it from our mouth. Lord, we get to come across at least 19 other teams this season. Father, we don't know where they are. Lord, are you equipping us with this message? Is that what brings us together or is it a game that brings us together? Because one of them is a mission that will never end and one of them will end in May. So, Father, I pray that you convict us, that you move us, that you lead us and guide us. Um, Father, that you love us despite of our sin, that you give us the power through your Holy Spirit to repent from it. So thank you for all these things. We love you. We thank you. Pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Go fight, win.